This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Hello, I'm Sarah Smith, proud sponsor of Dumpty Dum. If you want to polish up your Albion, give your optics a wipe, or even mop up after your ferrets, Sarah Smith cloths are eco-friendly, reusable, and washable. And, you know, a bit posh. Sarah Smith, available from Sainsbury's for the posher washer. Proud sponsors of Dumpty Dum. Hello, Dumpty Dum. Goddess Diva here. Today, Yokel Bear has introduced me to a Twitter account called at the News by Desiree, which is absolutely brilliant and has had me crying laughing. So I thought this week I would do my Dumpty Dum in the style of the news at Desiree, but pertaining to the archers. So here we go. You need to put up with my my singing for a bit. Right, ready? Titchy Knob needs to die. He's a nasty, slimy guy. Christ, I really want some pie. Ooh, I get the shivers. Helen should get out of there, cause he doesn't really care. Think I might just clutch my hair and watch the evening news. Dum, tee dum, dum tee dum, tee dum. Do do do, Pip just might die an old maid. She should just go and get laid. Like to dance to old school Jade. Oh, I get the shivers. Here come Heather and her teeth. Feeling David's life with grief. Nicest time of year in Leaf. Watch the evening news. Nyam, tea dum, dum tea dum, tea dum. Do 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 last verse is not to thank you for all the awesome things you do. Think I might go for a poo. Ooh, I get the shivers. Dum tea dum, it is so great. Yes, it's really, really great. Something, something rhymes with great. Watch the evening news. Dum tea dum, dum tea dum, tea dum. This is Dumbly Dump, the show about the reality darky drama that's centred on Ambridge in the heart of Midlands. I'm the sturdy foundations that is Royfield Brown, and with me are the collapsing village hall that is Lucy Freeman. And the last part of Mr. Pullen's message from Beyond the Grave is you. Now, today's rendition of Dumpty Dum is not a Dumpty Dum, it's a tribute to Dumpty Dum, sung by Goddess Diva <laughs> in, in the style of Desiree. Have you been still follow- making me laugh, particularly when she says, I need a poo. <laughs> <laughs> or it gives me the shivers yeah. <laughs> have you been following this uh, account on twitter yeah i saw it a while ago it's, it's one of those things. it's gonna have a very short shelf life but it's very funny while it's going <laughs> it is it did give me the titters on the twitters yesterday also <laughs> lucy yes if anybody else can be first to send us in a dum-de-dum and to win the accolade of dum-de-dummer of the week how can they do that? If you would like to sing us a Dumpty Dum, give us a plot prediction or clear out a space in your airing cupboard for Jill Archer, ring us on 02030313105 or leave us a message on SpeakPipe. Thanks to lovely Shambridges for her amazing voices, to Cosmo for his podcast roundups and to Sarah Smith for sponsoring us. Uh, and to Derek for the loan of the back bedroom. We're back there again. Milena has gone back to Vladivostok. Derek is devastated. He stood at the departure gate waving for ages, apparently. I don't know what he was waving, but security only just let him go. That's quite funny. That was clever. <laughs> well done, Lucy B. Freeman. <laughs> Shut up. On this week's show, we have calls from Maeve, who's getting stronger by the minute, who agrees with Ruth Scarlet Sparrow, who thinks Rob is a big miss. Ryan Schofield, who's got a problem with a spoon, who says that David is reasonable. Jennifer Turner, who thinks that the end is nigh for Bridge Farm Organics. Yokel Bear, who's feeling remorseful. Blythe Spirit 
who thinks that Ambridge needs to style up Morgan Johnson, who's worried about Kenton, and Catherine Bajant, who is worried that she is a bad parent. Isn't that just middle-class angst, though? Yeah. Mm. So should we not play a call, then? Can we just answer that? (laughs) Check! Middle-class angst. Dismissed! Next! (laughs) But first, before all the juicy calls, here is Luce with our last week in... in Ambridge was sponsored by Prozac. It was, all in all, the single most depressing week in broadcasting history. We started on a high note, compared with the rest of the week anyway, with another economics lecture. After last week's lecture on the bankruptcy notices filed by village pubs in the UK years 2015 to 16, this week we enjoyed shop closures in rural communities. Jimus was the voice of reason in the village shop discussion, pointing out that A, the building belonged to Hazel Woolley and that she was perfectly entitled to do what she flipping well wanted with it, and um... Well, well, that was it, really. Uh, good point, Jimus. He was naturally shouted down by Linda and Susan, as is always the case when straight economic facts are raised in Ambridge compared with impassioned arm-waving and righteous indignation. Toby has coerced Pip into pretending to be a consultant for the Fair Brethren Geese Corporation, and she is going with him <laughs> to some sort of restaurant that appeared to be called Weevils. I wouldn't go to a restaurant called Weevils, but then they must be a bit desperate in Borsetshire, as your choice is the Feathers, which is full of people sobbing as it's where you go to dump your partner, Jack's, which has no manager and no staff, it's a bit tricky getting served. Gay Grables, which is still full of transvestite nonagenarians. Or the flood bar at the bull where you could... What? Uh, Joe, in his cheerleader's outfit or whatever he was wearing last time. Oh, yeah. Or the flood bar at the bull where you can heat up your own ginster's past in the microwave while you watch Kenton (laughs) cry and wee himself. (laughs) Dylan Nels is back because if you're going to replace a regular opera critic, you need a name that is going to compete with Tristan Hawkshaw. Irritatingly, mm-hmm. everyone keeps calling Cozy Fan Tutti Cozy. By everyone, I mean Linda and Elizabeth. They were like those bloody irritating people who say much ado and phantom. I could happily have cracked both their skulls together as they simpered on about backdrops and why not everyone liked opera. Ha 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 ha. But that was more than enough fun for us. We had to be ushered away immediately to listen to Bert and Jimus discuss loneliness and how much worse it is when you're with people than when you are on your own. And then the village hall fell down. (laughs) In an effort to cheer ourselves up, we hauled ourselves over to Barrow Farm, where we walked in on Rob blackmailing Charlie to enable him to walk blamelessly out of a job that he had systematically stuffed up for the last six months. And just to put the tin hat on it, he trotted off home to Helen, told her a load of guff, and ta-da! But of course, darling, you should walk out of your job and use up all the savings Gran gave us and go to all the meetings I should be going to and take the farm shop over and turn it into an operating theatre. Honestly, I am not sure how much more of Helen mm-hmm. I can take. Anyway, enough of that jollity. We trundled back to Brooker's then to listen to Jill sobbing as David told her that she would have to move out of the farm. I'm not sure I understand. Pip is leaving. David mm. and Ruth, I presume, share a bed still, unless David's gone the whole hog and has now taken his relationship with his mother to its apparently natural conclusion. I always thought of Brooker's as a fairly <laughs> large establishment. Surely Heather Pet, or as I am now beginning to think of her, me mother, could have someone's room? Does it have to involve one in, one out and everyone crying? Then we had a laugh a minute riot with Kenton, declaring that he could never forgive himself, his daddy never loved him and he'd let everyone down, before we crossed to Jill, who went to see Carol Toboggan to tell her that how she was absolutely perfectly all right and that her own needs couldn't matter less before she started crying again. Susan and Pat can normally be relied upon to have fairly inconsequential chit-chat. 
That's the raspberry done, Susan. Lovely. I'll just lick my marigolds and stop straining the yogurt through my hairnet. Then I'll put the kettle on, shall I? But not this week. This week, <laughs> Susan went batshit when Pat tentatively suggested that the village shop might be replaced by the farm shop and appeared to suggest that Pat was guilty of some sort of industrial espionage. And we ended this plummetingly miserable week with Hazel the Slovene visiting the voice of the Daily Mail, Peggy Woolley, informing her that she was going to turn the shop into some sort of state-of-the-art apartments. A state-of-the-art apartment in Ambridge is one with doors and windows, I think. Anyway, the flats are designed for high-pressure business people who need a rural bolt hole, some peace and quiet at the weekend to decompress. And where could be better than Ambridge? Where houses flood and then spontaneously collapse. There's blackmail, domestic abuse, alcoholism, depression, <laughs> dementia and bankruptcy. And that's just in one bloody week. It's absolutely the sort of place you'd go to to bring a bit of joy back into your life. Pick your shotgun up on your way out. <laughs> the end. That was good this week. Didn't you find this week was it was like the world at war. It was there was just unremitting. The only high point or the only sort of point of levity was um, Eddie's ringtone on his phone when his phone kept ringing. That was the only bit that wasn't doom and gloom and, you know, drama. God, it was draining. It was bleak, wasn't it? Bleak is the most used. Mm. How do you pronounce it? Is it cosy? Cosy fan tute. Oh, OK, great. <laughs> I don't I... know. You have to ask Harriet. Harriet's very good. Have you heard Harriet's Italian conversazione? Well, I have heard it. And unfortunately, considering I've had a passing acquaintance with the Italian language for somewhat 15 years now, I didn't understand enough of it. (laughs) (laughs) But what bits I did understand, I thought was very funny. But to do the voices in a foreign language, flipping heck. She's just unreal with her talent. She is. She really is. is. And she's so unassuming. She doesn't, you know, she just tumbles on doing her thing. And Amazing woman she is. She is an amazing woman. But you know what's also amazing? What? The amount of bloody calls we've got this I week. I know. So I think we need to crack on with them. Okay. Hello, Ambridge 3962. Hello, Lucy. Hello, Royfield. It's Maeve here again. Gosh, Rob, what an arse. Glancing out uh, from Charlie um, in a mega huff. Uh, when actually he has been doing what Charlie has suspected. Uh, he did block up the culvert. He did all these horrible things. But because he is, I suppose, so volatile and people are a little bit wary of him, um, he gets away with it. Again, Helen has been duped. Uh, and I, sort of reading some of the comments uh, previously, I think that he's faked the paternity test. And I do think that he's the dad to Jess's baby. But hey, he, he's just a general old man's kind of sociopath. And it doesn't bode well at all for Helen. She will be uh, pregnant soon, I think. He again will carry on with the emotional blackmail. And, uh, oh gosh, the fact that she's even thinking about giving up her own account and having all of her money, including the 10k, uh, uh, into uh, Rob's and her name sort of makes me shiver slightly. But, uh, but yeah, it is a good storyline. Oh, and I do reckon he's going to lose it with um, with Henry quite soon. And he again managed to talk his way around it and convince Helen that Henry's a problem and it's not him. And David, God, I was... It's not really fair the way he's behaved towards Heather. I do think that uh, Ruth is absolutely right, that it's one rule for the archers and one rule for everybody else. And I think he's been a total arse. 
Um, and I do think that Heather Pet should come back and live with them on the farm. And Kenton, or oh, poor Kenton, I do like Kenton, but come on, you know, either run away and join the Navy again, or kind of shape up, but I do think that he is probably quite depressed and heading into that, and that could be quite a good storyline. Um, hi Scarlett, you want to be one of Royfield's lovely girls? Well hey, welcome to the pack of, I think it's two now, Royfield, don't be getting ahead of yourself. Uh, see you next week, bye! Maeve, Maeve, you are sounding better! You Isn't are just... Uh, just much perkier, so the Guinness is doing the trick! Um, yes, I think, I agree. As soon as Hen- Helen is up the clangor, Rob is going to start going on about adopting Henry so that they can be proper siblings. And that will sort of embed him even further in, in the family and uh, make sure that he's then got rights to money and access and children and all the rest of it. Um, yes, I also loved the veiled threat in Maeve's voice. Don't be getting ahead of yourself to Scarlet Sparrow. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be squabbling amongst Royfield's lovely ladies. Yes. Mm. Well, it's not the type of establishment uh, I run with with my ladies. It's an establishment? Sounds like a brothel or something. Well, I suppose that's why I was hinting it was, (laughs) even though it's absolutely not. No. Are you like um, Hugh Hefner? Do you go swaggering round in your red silk dressing gown <laughs> while they all flo- th- throw water girlishly over each other in the pool? <laughs> I've never understood that, you know. No. Oh. Hugh Hefner. What's all that about? Money. Money, money, money. Mm. But anyway, no, um, Scarlet Sparrow and Maeve, stop it. Before it even starts, just stop it. We all, <laughs> you know, we're all in this together. Daddy ladies. loves you both. Exactly. Mm. <laughs> I've just made myself go. <laughs> and talking mm. of Scarlet Sparrow, let's have her call. Hello, you two. It's Scarlet Sparrow here again. I've had a very warm glow since discovering that I will be one of Royfield's girlies. I'm waiting for my joining instructions with bated breath. Anyway, on to Rob Titchinob again. He has now resigned or walked out or whatever it is going to call it. I'm a little concerned that what's actually happening here that we haven't all thought about how many wives Rob already has. And is that why he won't let Helen meet his parents? Because there's a series of women all over the country. Because what's going to happen now is he's going to go and find himself a job somewhere else and therefore a new woman to impregnate. And that will leave Helen behind with Henry and potentially a bun in the oven. And it's all going to get terribly messy. She says she has a warm glow. That's menopause, love. Get on the HRT. Um, <laughs> she thinks Rob is a bigamist uh, and he's going to go and find another job. He's not going to find another job. He's go- uh, he's- she no, said he was going to go and find another job and then go to a new area and then meet another lady who he can wave his willy at. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's going to try and take over Bridge Farm. And at some point he will drive Tony into such a fury, Tony will have another heart attack and die. Sorry, that's a bit... Well, in the, in the, in the spirit of this week's bleak you know, uh, Dostoevsky-like storylines. I reckon that that could well be what happens. Mm. And I... that will be the thing that actually makes Helen come to her senses. Mm. Uh, do you know, hope... To be honest, I'm not sure anything's going to make Helen come to her senses because she's such a bloody moron. Mm. <sighs> I hope, for the sake of credulity in this storyline going forward, that there isn't any more major skeletons underneath, Mm. uh, you know, Mm. underneath the floorboards in Rob's life. Um, You know, obviously he's a shitbag and we don't like him. But 
you know, if he, you know, but he's he's filled the farm books. He's he's a villain, and mm. we don't need any more villainous, nefarious goings on uh, to prove that he's a wrong one. Mm. They can just play it relatively straight from here on in. We're cranking it up in terms of him being more and more bad-tempered, controlling uh, and manipulative. But we don't need to find out that, oh, yeah, and he's got another wife stored mm. away in Port yeah. or yeah. Penrith or yeah. somewhere else that begins with a P. Or you know, he's on he's on bail or, you know. Ex- exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we know that he has this dysfunctional relationship with his family, uh, his, his parents, and he's lied about that. We know that he has... Um, there was something very peculiar with his relationship with Jess, though, you know, I said many moons ago that she was, I'm not going to say as weird and as wrong as Rob, but she wasn't quite, you know, the full ticket, so to speak. And then we had the fact that, you know, he wasn't the parent of, he isn't the father of her child. So, you know, that was validated somewhat. But please, just let's just keep his misdemeanours as to what they are at the moment. Otherwise, Mm. he just would become this most ridiculous kind of, Stalin crossed with Hitler, crossed yeah. with, you know, yeah. I don't know, Charles Manson type figure. Yeah. You know, let's keep it kind of believable in, in the realms of this docudrama. You know what you were saying last week? I was thinking about what you were saying last week about how fascinating you find Helen mm. and how, you know, it, she's a very believable character in her inconsistencies, in mm. that she's she doesn't make sense technically, except she does because she's just a very unusual character. Mm. And I was thinking about which women she reminded me of that I knew. Thankfully, not very many. Um, But the conclusion I came to, and I don't know whether I've only come to this because I'm a woman and you wouldn't come to it because you are not, (laughs) she says evidently. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Helen's absolute fundamental problem is her desire to be perfect. And it is her. She's like one of those women that reads every. If you look at the front page of Cosmopolitan, sorry, mm. this this does still make sense. It's still relevant. You can pretty much divide it into two. There's ten reasons why we don't need men. Ten re, uh, ten ways to feel happy with your body, and then completely interspersed with that is ten ways to keep your man, and uh, how to get beach body ready. And it is completely contradictory. She's like. She's she is the the dichotomy of the 21st century woman in one woman, but not a very bright one. She hasn't rejected anything. She's tried to accept feminism without rejecting this Victorian idea of femininity and dowries. And, you know, I'm the only I'm the only woman who can deal with this man. She's uh, tried to accept feminism and still has this. Uh, overwhelming obsession with body image and how she looks. Um, she wants to be a businesswoman, but she still she wants to be the perfect businesswoman and the perfect wife and mother. So she is con- whatever she does, she is continually letting herself down. She sees it in one other area of her life. So she is just continually stri- It must be exhausting because she is continually striving to meet whatever ridiculous standards somebody else sets her. And she can't stop. She can't ever take her foot off the pedal and relax. 
And she's what she's done is just as he sought her out because of that weakness, she sought him out because he is somebody that continually moves the goalposts and sets the standards higher and higher and higher. And that's just as unremitting as, as what he's like her own mental critical voice out loud personified. That's what I think. Anyway, that's brilliant. Can I do one of these? <laughs> no, it might seriously. be completely wrong, though. But I've been huh? thinking about it over the last week. And it's sort of I thought that's that's why women find her so. I think anyway, our women listeners Mm. find her so men just find her bewildering but women listeners can kind of see just you want to sort of put her in a a straight jacket and not in a horrible way or in an enormous hug and just say just stop trying just find out who you are and let the rest of it go stop trying it's exhausting and there's a part of that in a lot of women and I think that's why we we relate to her and, and we hate that part of ourselves. And that's why a lot of that fury comes out aimed at Helen. Gosh, that is brilliant. We don't need Witherspoon. Oh, we so do, do because he's going to ring in now and tell me exactly why I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and tell me, tell me uh, that actually that's probably says a lot more about me than it does about Helen. Mm. Wow. No, I, I think you've nailed it. I think we can put Helen Archer, uh, sorry, Titchener to bed now. We've done it. That was brilliant, Lucy. Seriously. See, even the fact that she's now Helen Titchener just makes my heart go, oh! <laughs> it sort of, it actually turns my stomach. The anxiety about her. Oh. Anyway, now, at in stark contrast, we have Ryan Schofield, who mm-hmm. I don't know whether he is a new caller in the Rurura or not. I like him and I hope he rings back. This is a great call. But he says he wants Rob to get away with it. Hi, Royfield and Lucy. This is Ryan Schofield. Ryan Didcot on the Twitters. So listen, I think I've got a problem. Am I the only one who wants Rob to get away with all his evilness? I was the one who always wanted Darth to beat Luke or Wiley Coyote to catch the Roadrunner. And I find myself wanting Rob just to get away with it all. I can see the net is closing in on him in lots of directions and not least from Charlie Thomas. But help me out. Am I the only one who wants him to get away with it all? I think it's great. I think it's fantastic radio. Why do I feel like this? I'm not an evil person in real life. So help me out, Royfield and Lucy. Why do I feel like this? Why do I want Rob to get away with it all? Keep up the good show, guys. Cheers. Bye. I think this is probably more of a case for Witherspoon, actually. You probably need some sort of clinical help. No, <laughs> I can see why. I can see why, because the archers can be unremittingly nice. We, as we keep saying, we have pantomime baddies like uh, Clive Horribin and Hazel Woolley who appear with a swish of their coat, cloak and everyone goes, woo, and everybody hates them universally. There is, you know, Clive Horribin has no fans in Ambridge and... Um, uh, Hazel is universally loathed. Um, but Rob is, there are people who kind of have a grudging interest in him, grudging, res- not respect, but, gr- you know, grudging acknowledgement of his supposed talents on the cricket field or whatever. Cricket pitch, cricket field, whatever it is. Um, and, but then cricket we have... Court. Cri- <laughs> that's the one. Um, and then we have Rob, who is just... Uh, 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 
villainous, uh, but devious and nasty. And he doesn't play by the rules and he doesn't have any respect for the uh, for the sort of the niceties of of Ambridge. You know, he comes in and destroys things and that there's quite a sort of a gleeful. I mean, obviously, the systematic dismantling of Helen is is not that's just grim. But if you look at him in, as a character in the abstract, in terms of his his relationship with everybody else, um, you know, he is just uh, a gleefully nasty, devious, but very intelligently manipulative character. And there there isn't that much intelligence in Ambridge. Sorry, is that horrible? A, a little bit, and I don't quite agree with your analysis. I think that you can't like Hazel Woolley or Clive Horobin because they're 2D characters. They're not even 2D, they're just mm. 1D, they're just one note. Mm. Hazel Woolley is just nasty yeah. and selfish. Clive Horobin, um, exactly the same. Uh, but there's a little ball of wrapped up kind of anger there. Mm. And he feels that, you know, he has a, a right to certain things. and He's been excluded from his family. But fundamentally, two one-note characters. And they're in stark contrast to Rob in that here is a 3D character. And though you don't understand his motivations as to why he is the way that he is, he isn't unremittingly dark that every now and then there is a flash of him being considerate or him being human. Mm. So you actually appreciate the storyline and what he brings to the storyline. You hate him, mm. but you say, wow, this is a compelling mm. yeah. character. So I understand how somebody can like the character of Rob, what he brings to the storyline, as opposed to liking Rob as opposed to Hazel Woolley or mm. to Clive Horobin, who just has said one note characters who are just, you know, I, I don't understand Hazel Woolley one iota. There's no flickering of acknowledgement that whilst the father was alive, she hadn't, be, hadn't stepped foot in that village for God mm. knows how many years, you know, and Peggy doesn't even really pull her up about it. She said it once or twice. Mm. And she said, oh, but I was busy, but this mm. is what, these are daddy's wishes and whatever and blah, blah, blah. I can't listen to it. It just makes no sense to me. It makes mm. no sense to me. And Peggy should just give her a slap. Peggy might be 92. <laughs> slap the woman. <laughs> and tell her to fuck off. <laughs> but anyway, moving on, because I just don't understand. I don't understand. Well, Ryan, Ryan did say it's fantastic radio, and, and, mm, and it, it absolutely is, is because like, the storyline is just gripping. But he can't get away with this because you'd be breaking one of the conventions yeah. of all soaps and all dramas that people, people who are caught. bad need to yeah. get their comeuppance yeah. because these are modern morality tales. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how long it will take, whether it's five years, five months, five days, he will get his comeuppance. You know, otherwise, it's not a morality play and... Um, it would uh, send too much of a signal to us in society that basically we can just do whatever we want and just screw people over and it doesn't really matter. We need to be reminded that we need uh, proper civil behaviour. Yeah. And if we don't display that, there will be consequences. Yeah. And that's what docudramas, soaps, uh, films, whatever, that's what they're all about. Yeah. You know, to give us those morality Bad blades. things happen to bad people. Exactly. And on that note, sorry, Yokel Bear. Hello, Dumb Stomach. Yokel Bear here. I think I've been a bit harsh on Kenton. I'm beginning to think now that Kenton is actually on a bit of a downward spiral into quite a deep depression. Yeah, he's been a terrible man-child and made awful decisions and reacted really badly, but he doesn't seem to be able to get out of it. And I think 
his chat with Jolene about his self-esteem and how he sees himself. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling a bit more sympathy f- to him. Just a little bit. I still think he needs a bit of a kick up the ass, but, you know, I'm going to see where this goes. But I'm, I'm feeling for him a bit, which is odd because I don't, normally don't like Kenton that much. However, where I have no sympathy is Titchinob. I was screaming at the radio during the omnibus. All that coded homophobia and biphobia. Oh, I'm a different kind of man for you, Charlie. Well, I, for one, prefer things to be out in the open, Charlie. It's just... Of course, he can't say it out loud. He can't actually be homophobic because homophobes are cowards. So it's all this coded nonsense. God, I hate him. As my old nan would have said, what Titchinob needs is a right punch up the bracket. He is feeling sorry for, for, for Kenton. I think everybody is now, I think, after Kenton's kind of, uh, sort of, when he stopped throwing his toys and put his ego aside and actually talked about how he really felt, uh, it it made sense. And yes, it was, it was, it was tough. And it kind of, that scene was a bit weird. Because it kind of just ended with 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 Jolene saying, "Oh well, don't worry," and that was it. And then off we went somewhere else. It was a very strange little scene. That yeah, the coded homophobia from Rob. I, I'm still hanging on to this idea, and I don't know why that Charlie is Justin Elliott's stepson. I'm I'm determined. I, I can't. I won't let we, it go. Just before we go on, because his thoughts in my mind, was it coded homophobia, or was he saying that you're having an affair? Well, it was both, wasn't it? Whatever it was, it was coded and it was it, when he, he said, said you're he... not my type, you're not a family man. We have different values, Charlie. We're different sort of men. You're not a family man. Yeah, OK. It could, it could be both, couldn't it? Yeah. Mm. Your sordid social life. You know, it's not he's not seeing it as a love affair or, you know, you know he, what? He's you, you, it you're, as... you are probably right, because he had an affair with Helen when he was still yeah. married to Jess. So yeah. it can't be that. OK, fair news. You know, he, his own family values could be called into question. Um, I love Yokel Bear. My 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 um, my gradual uh, transformation into Yokel Bear is very nearly complete now because um, his grandma uh, would say that Rob needed to punch up the bracket. And my dad used to say that as well. <laughs> And if anyone needs a punch up the sodding bracket, it is Rob. And now, with a spoon. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, Lucy Royfield and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here on another beautiful Friday summer afternoon. Let's get right down to work here, as the proverbial crap really hit the fan in Ambridge this past week. First, Kenton. He was laying low all week until today, I guess recovering from one huge hangover. Clearly, he has been someone who has evoked both anger and sympathy from listeners. He's suffering from symptoms of clinical depression, sadness, anger, irritability, hopelessness, helplessness, and I imagine poor sleep, low energy and sex drive, poor concentration and tearful episodes, and has issues with alcohol abuse. Based on Royfield's reflections on Kenton's life last week, I believe he could have he could have bipolar disorder type 2 characterized by a history of hypomanic episodes. It's not unusual for depression to appear later in life. The big concern is that the demographic group with the highest suicide rate is middle-aged 
and upward white males, especially with the additional risk factors of alcohol abuse, financial problems, a sense of isolation, and acute trauma or loss. So Kenton sounds like a man on the brink. What he doesn't need is benign neglect, oh, he'll be okay, or just a kick in the pants. Jolene should take him to his physician and insist on talking to the doctor as well, who should evaluate him for antidepressant medication and refer him to a therapist in Borchester or Felpersham. Yes, he must squarely face his issues of low self-esteem and not in a haze of alcohol. So why do the listeners feel such anger toward him? I think that the scriptwriters unfortunately set that up by creating such an absurd situation of Kenton spending his fortune before it even existed. Even if he had been tempted to do so, wouldn't level-headed Jolene have put the kibosh on it instead of merrily going along with the premature celebration? Now the writers must see him through this by taking him on a journey to where he admits his errors and takes the first steps of becoming a better man. So much other good stuff this week. Rob, Charlie, Helen, Tom, David, Ruth, that I'll have to save most of it for next time. So briefly, Rob, one word, sociopath. Helen, she is so filled with anxiety about having a happily ever afterlife that she's afraid of asserting herself one iota. Charlie, if he didn't act like a closeted homosexual in the 1970s, he wouldn't have gotten himself in the position of being blackmailed. And okay, also if he didn't snog Adam on New Year's Eve. Boy, Rob held on to that one for just the right moment. Regarding David and Ruth, I must usurp a line from Royfield last week. Lucy and Royfield, I love you, but disagree with you on this one. I thought it was interesting how the writers painted Ruth as the heart and David as the head in the debate about Heather Pett. I thought that David did have some valid concerns about the reality of moving Heather in with them, some of which may proved to be true. Yes, he should have been more supportive of Ruth, but I had no doubt that he was going to quickly get to the position of supporting moving Heather in with them. I don't think he was coming at it from an archer versus non-archer viewpoint, and I think his relationship with his elderly yet very active mother is just fine, as was shown in today's touching last scene. And Angus agrees with me too, don't you, Angus? Much more to talk about, but our time's up. Till next week, it's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis, signing off. Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling, tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. He's, he's described Kenton's descent very, very accurately uh, into clinical depression. And it's horrible. But, Witherspoon, you cannot disagree with me and Royfield and then say the only person that agrees with you is your dog. That is not fair. Um, or if you're going to drag Angus Haggis into it, I shall drag Basil into it. And Basil is bigger than Angus Haggis. So no, 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 no. Jennifer. That, oh, sorry. Is that it? That's it. Yeah. Was that your considered response to his called no, 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 no. <laughs> it was really. After, yeah. after that masterful description of Helen Archer, sorry, Helen Titchener, you answer another call by going, no, 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 no. <laughs> Jesus, peace, woman. <laughs> Hi, it's Morgan in New York, Morgan NYNY on Twitter. I'm calling in about Kenton. Um, I'm really worried about him. I know for a long time we were all rolled our eyes and 
uh, we thought that he was whining a lot, but now I'm really worried, and specifically, I'm kind of worried about suicide, and I wonder what people think. Um, he's very down on himself, and I kind of wonder if anybody else sees anything coming. Well, actually, there's something I was trying to avoid saying, but maybe I should say it. I don't know. I'll say it, and if mm. you want to take it out, you can. Go on. Um, when Kenton was having his little chat with Jolene, mm. and he said, I've let everybody down, I've, you know, I, I was never good enough and all that stuff. Um, my dad, uh, eight years ago now, mm. um, killed himself. And this is why I was trying to avoid saying it. <laughs> and he actually, this is today, is the day that he did it. Oh. And hearing Witherspoon's call when he described um, clinical depression is exactly how my dad was. And that's making this storyline really tough for me to listen to because Kenton's saying the same thing. So sort of my dad never, never spoke to anybody in the way that uh, Kenton spoke to Jolene, but I wish he had. Um, and he, when Witherspoon's describing it, saying the feeling that you've let everybody down, hitting the bottle, uh, you know, um, feeling of worthlessness, feeling that irritability, that life's passing you by, that you're never going to be the man that you thought you were going to be. And it's just really moving for me to listen to Kenton's because my dad's business was hit problems as well and he felt it was all his fault and then to hear Witherspoon describing that clinical depression is absolutely bang on and I really hope that Kenton doesn't go and do anything daft I don't think he will because we've already had the we've had the threat of um I'm a craftsman Daryl's suicide haven't we and we've had mm. um thingy bobs uh what's he called greg greg sue is that yes so we're not gonna have another one i guess i hope not but i really really want jolene to do something about it now he's told her she's got to take it seriously and not just keep saying oh you'll be all right don't worry you know like witherspoon said because you do need to worry when someone's in that state you really do listen that, that was um very heartfelt loose and and i think a lot of the listeners will be able to uh, connect not just through the storyline but also through um you the connection that you made through it and what it means to you through the passing of, of your father and i know that every now and then i talk about the fact that within the archers that men are the, the male characters aren't as quiet as fleshed out as the female characters and and then i talk about the fact that you really give me pause for thought but i think that the character of kenton needed something like this because even though we've all liked him um, you know, he was this um, two-note character. Yeah, there's always a reason why someone's Peter Pan, isn't there? Yeah, and so that's the reason why last week I disagreed with uh, Dusty and I said this is incredibly consistent with this type of personality, yeah. that somebody would have this kind of crashing down. 
And if you look at his life, um, it makes a whole load of sense. Yeah. And we are so spoilt in so many ways with this drama because when it's written well, it's written so well and yeah. so believably. And we all take elements from various different storylines and we go, well, that just makes sense because I know a person like this and I felt like that, you know. It's not like watching EastEnders where everybody is a faux East End gangster. Yeah. Or everybody in, in Coronation Street drinks in the pub. Those soap opera conventions aren't, the obvious ones aren't there with this. This is so much, this is written with a level of depth and uh, reality that every now and then we have to stop and pause because we do recognise, you know, you says women recognise bits of themselves in Helen and she is the modern, she is the conundrum of, of the modern woman who kind of wants it all uh, but still wants to be taken care of but yeah. wants to be independent and, and, and all those things, you know. And then you look at uh, Kenton's storyline and you know it's been it's been pointed out to me that when I was talking about Kenton last week, a couple of people said this. Well, that's half you, then, isn't it? Really, you know. <laughs> oh, well, you know. And it gave me pause for thought, and maybe that's the reason why I could speak about uh, Ken. You know, I've never suffered from depression, um, but I'd be lying if I said no one has never called me a Peter Pan person. I'd be lying if I said that at all. And again, I just think we just need to commend the writers that we can take so much, whether it's Glyn Fuller Love talking about uh, the hair of the pet storyline. Yeah, the fact yeah, that, we've got another one of those as well. Yeah, or even down to, and we we, we don't we've never talked about this, but Kathy and the rape. Yeah, all those years ago, and the fallout, obviously, with the violet that was perpetrated on her but then also what it did to her relationship with Kenton yeah the fault the, the powerlessness that Kenton felt then and the fact that they could never as a couple get through that yeah you know um so many people I remember at the time talking to one or two people and the echoes of sexual violence and yeah. what it does to to couples just just kind of echo on so yeah my heart goes out to you that this is today of all days we're doing this and I've somewhat pushed you into giving a fuller answer and uh No no I was I was dithering about saying it anyway, so it's fine. But 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 either way, this is one of the many reasons why we why we love this thing, because it is written really, really well. And we take comfort from it, we recognise ourselves in it, we recognise our friends, our families in it, and uh more power to the writers but you know thoughts go out to you thank juicy you. loose thank you, you know thanks no. now shut up because you'll start me off again all right oh <sighs> claire in scotland via canada hello dumpty dum claire from scotland via canada here uh calling about rob goodness but you could hear him sound panicked this week couldn't you he really sounded frightened i thought talking to charlie and it became increasingly clear as i think we've sometimes said that he really doesn't know how to talk to men or how to negotiate them. And you were left with the feeling, all right, I was left with the feeling that he chucked his job as much because he was terrified that he'd been found out and it's because he actually wanted to leave. I, she said something that made me think about what you said last week, Royf, which was, mm. 
you said he's not an alpha male. He's a coward and he's somebody who wants to be an alpha male. Absolutely. But and you said he's unreconstructed. And it made me think about that phrase. And every man I've ever met that described themselves as unreconstructed was an absolute dick. And um, just it's it's a code word for misogynist. That's what it means. Unreconstructed mm. means I am lazy and I cannot be asked to think of women as another human being i just want to think of them as you know barbie dolls or something um but she said it's really interesting that he doesn't know how to talk to men and i hadn't noticed that before but that's absolutely true he doesn't know how to talk to anybody he talks to women as if they're you know poodles or something you know like little toy dogs uh you know little miss giggly and all that sort of affectionate patty on the head stuff but then he can't talk to men without being incredibly combative immediately so he can't talk to anybody. He's a mm. really, he's a, he is a sociopath. Well, that's what Witherspoon said, wasn't it? Sociopath. Anyway. Yeah, no, no, he is. And it was uh, well, well spotted that, you know, he can't speak to men um, because he just can't, you know, he. But as soon as he's he, threatened, like as soon as Charlie said, just tell me what this call, just tell me, explain this spreadsheet to me. What do you know? Did you make a mistake here? Instead of saying, yes, I did. I'm sorry. He just left. He's such a coward. Well, like all to, bullies, I suppose. To be fair, though, to, to Rob, and again, it's the reason why this is written so well. What I took out of that conversation with Charlie is that Charlie is a is a bully too. Yeah. That actually, yeah. Uh, Charlie didn't cover himself with a whole load of glory no. in that at all. And actually, what half of what Rob said rang pretty true. Yeah. Uh, we just had a major flood. Things were a bit kind of tits yeah. up, et cetera, et cetera. And Charlie had to go, oh, yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> um, however, at least Charlie has a sense of perspective. And then post that has come away going, oh, yeah. Basically, um, as, ma- as much as I do not like this man, he does have some, some worth as this farm manager. Yeah. And actually, he does a job to, uh, he, he does a job quite competently but um i can pull him up about x and y and z but actually he's doing the job and charlie's realized that hence the two or three days of him saying rob let's not be silly about this please come back yeah you know charlie is no fool and looks at the bottom line and the bottom line is he said actually rob as much of an evil ass that he is he's actually adding to the business yeah. he is and they've now you got know. to pay to recruit someone and all that stuff exactly Exactly. And also the board is going to say, what do you mean? What the hell's gone on? You know, yeah. but then, like you said, nobody has appraisals. Nobody, there's no HR function at all. Nobody has appraisals. Nobody, you know, you seem to be able to just take holiday when you feel like it with a week's notice. You know, there's, it, there's kind of for such an uh, uh, ostensibly big operation, something like this can happen with no warning at all, which is a bit ludicrous. But anyway, mm. Rob can only talk to um, another person from a position of power so i'm sure he would he would think and he could well actually be a decent boss in terms of i am departing wisdom and knowledge to you you get off and go and do it yeah um also with the cricket team 
basically he wants to be the captain of the cricket team and actually there he has a certain amount of of, of talent but absolutely that, that actually that is a metaphor for rob isn't it that he's just not a team player he doesn't yeah. know how to be no, a team player. it's all about ego and it's all yeah. about how can i win how can i you know the sulking when he doesn't win or when he's pulled up for lack of discipline it's classic narcissism. It's the rules do not apply to me. Hello, Dumpty Dum, Blythe Spirit calling. Or should I say ciao tutti, because the old country is coming to Ambridge. I have to confess a personal interest in this storyline because Italy is quite literally the land of my father's. So I'm delighted that the opera is going to be played in Borsetshire. La Boheme, Puccini, absolutely glorious. And whilst you obviously you don't need to know a foreign language to enjoy the opera, it's quite a nice opportunity for the locals in Ambridge to practice their conversazione. Now, the thing is that Italians do tend to be a bit stylish. You know, it's all about la figura. So I will be watching the storyline pretty closely. And if anyone sings O Sole Mio, if anyone plays Nessun Dorma, if anyone breaks out a frozen lasagna... And if anyone invites Gino de Campo to open their refurbished store, I will personally go down to Ambridge and firebomb Signora Carter's tabards. Let's face it, what self-respecting Italian would be seen dead in anything called, what was it, Parisian Paisley? Oh, I don't think so. And, I mean, if she wants to argue with me, it might be useful to just let her know that my father's Sicilian and I have two Sicilian godfathers. Just saying. Many props this week to Harriet on Shambridge and the Conversazione there. Absolutely brilliant. If you understand Italian, you'll love it. But apart from that, it's been a good week, hasn't it? Ciao. Ciao, ciao. Blythe spirit. The Italians are coming to Lower Loxley. Uh, so uh, Ambridge needs to sharpen up its style. Are they Italians? I don't think they are, are they? They sound like some potty little group. If there's only one bloke doing the whole organising, according to Elizabeth, <laughs> that was the most nauseatingly middle class exchange I've ever heard. Elizabeth and, and um, Linda at Lower Loxley wittering on about ah, all that. Oh, God. Yes. No, just really irritating. And anyway, if it, uh, the weather in Ambridge is anything like the weather here, it has thrown it down unremittingly for about 48 hours. So it's all going to be washed out anyway. There'll be another flood. Mrs Bentos. Hello Dumpty Dum, it's Mrs Bentos here. I was going to try and talk to you tonight about the Helen and Rob story, how um, it's continuing apace and it's very, very difficult to listen to without hurling various objects at the radio. Um, Rob with his nasty moustache twirling, um, cape wielding, nasty dastardly deeds, but I haven't really got the time unfortunately tonight because... I think I'm going to be um, interrupted at any moment because it's still the summer holidays. So I'm having to hide from the children to make this call. Um, there doesn't seem to be a moment's peace to be had at the moment, mainly because my children, unlike soap children, are not very easily dispatched with a mere go and play in your room or whatever it is that Rob and Helen seem to say to Henry every five seconds. And he does exactly what they say. Um, very unusual for a four-year-old, I think, this behaviour. I mean, I barely get a chance to utter one sentence uninterrupted, let alone have an entire adult conversation about Barrow Farm and constructive dismissal and milk yields and all these other fascinating topics of conversation. So I've concluded that part of Rob's dastardly mission includes silencing Henry. I think he must be drugging him. I think either slipping sedatives into his ready breck or 
dosing him up with kidipiriton or something because he's unbelievably docile and compliant. He um, absolutely doesn't bear any resemblance to any living four-year-old that I've ever encountered. Maybe that or I'm just doing all this parenting thing wrong. But anyway, that's probably about all I've got time for tonight. Um, I'm off to the village hall tonight to listen to a rather interesting sounding talk on the history of garden gnomes. Um, it's given by Derek Fletcher. I understand he's going on a, a UK tour. Um, he might be underappreciated in Ambridge, but believe me, around here, that passes for extremely exciting entertainment. They're actually queuing out of the village hall door as we speak, so I better go. Thanks a lot. Bye. Well-behaved children in the archers. Well, I don't know, because... Lily, Freddie, Georgie, Kira and Rory have all vanished, apparently. So the only one left mm-hmm. is Henry and all he ever says is, Wob! Uh, so possibly he's eaten all the others. But uh, we don't know about well-behaved children in the archers. They're quiet. Um, that's certainly true. But quiet doesn't necessarily mean well-behaved because who knows what they're doing. Talking about well-behaved children or not, whatever happened to the delinquent Pargeter? What's happened to him? Uh, well, he's gone, hasn't he? He's dis- disappeared. Lily and Freddy vanished. So maybe he's ran off with Iftikar. He was just getting interesting, old Freddy. I know. Having a quick ciggy behind the bike sheds. Mm. But that was all just a way of him being able to uh, break the Roy and Lizzie storyline, wasn't it? Mm. Mm. I know. I hate this when they just vanish. It's so inferior. I mean, I understand that they only have, you know, 13 minutes a day or whatever, but... Surely you can, you know, at least mention them in passing and tell us how they're doing. <laughs> oh. Very true. Anyway, um, emailer inners, we have many. Well, we Ooh, have two. All right. Okay. <laughs> we have many. We have two. <laughs> <laughs> um, it seemed like many because they were very long emails, so I've had to squish them down. But Candida Beeching said uh she's with um a glint full of love and said uh, i hate ruth <clears throat> but i do understand her current position she is one of six children and she's the only one within 300 miles of her parents uh the final eight years were the most stressful of my life no care home can they afford care at home rounds of doctor and hospital appointments elderly care appointments it just went on and on with a young family at home and a husband it wasn't that i didn't love them i was not programmed to look after them too does that sound callous? I d- doesn't mean to, but it was blooming hard work. Team Ruth all the way on this one. Yes. She's in a really difficult position. And I think people underestimate how hard it is as a as a uh, only child to marry into a big family. My friend has just done it. And, and we had a big chat last week because she was absolutely at the end of her tether. And she said, I didn't marry the whole family, but apparently I did. And, uh, you know, it's very hard. Very hard. Mm. So I, I have a great deal of sympathy with Ruth. Yeah. Also, and I hadn't thought about this until that call. And by the way, Candida, I will be coming down to Cornwall uh, to partake in your hospitality soon. The whole thing about ageing parents and looking after them, that it actually breaks up um, kind of wider families as well. That it isn't just a case of, you know, um, where is she going to live and then impacting on the son or the daughter of that elderly parent and then the son and daughter-in-law who might feel slightly aggrieved yeah. that this person has landed up uh, underneath their roof. That within my own family, my, my grandmother from, from Jamaica, her, her coming back, set massive ructions between um, her children 
in terms of who who should she stop with mm. um it was only right and proper she stopped here or you know such and such did this the amount of money that was sent for her care and, mm. and all sorts mm. and it's an absolute minefield in so many ways especially mm. in cultures that are instinctively against care homes because they yeah. think, well, no, we don't do that. Mm. You know, we look after yeah. elderly people. Yeah. And but then are trying to live modern lives yes. where people are rushing hither and hither to work. And then there's a whole load of guilt associated with that because, you know, they can't be there with them during the day, yeah. et cetera. And, uh, yeah, and it's an absolute, absolute night, uh, minefield and, and a nightmare. And, uh, and, and again, we have to, you know, we really should applaud the scriptwriters in terms of introducing this storyline into um, our favourite docudrama because forget all the, they were going to go up to Prudder, forget, take all that nonsense and put it to one side. But um, in all of my years of soap watching, which I do not that much anymore, I don't remember the introduction of an elderly character into a family setting, which has happened in EastEnders, and it has mm. happened in various different soaps, but actually having this real-life consequence in terms of how actually are we going to care for this person. But it's quite interesting. So many of the Who story- is going to do yeah. the caring? So many of the storylines at the moment in, in The Archers, quite rightly, they've always before focused on the young people. And at the moment, there is so much going on for the older people because it's reflecting Britain we are going to have there are going to be more people over the age of 50 that you know and all that you know issues for um about uh being widowed about loneliness about um lack of social interaction about uh older people sort of moving in together to to mutually support each other there's there's a load of um uh, older people storylines at the minute sadly the only one that's kind of positive is Carol Tregoran who is very happy on her own. Uh, she's older, She's very, but she's got a very young mind and she just is an independent woman who just lives her life exactly as she wants to. Um, the others are all rather negative and you sort of think, can, is, is there not a way of making this seem, it's not all doom and gloom, this isn't an accurate portrayal either. It's not, you know, that's not a very life-affirming way of presenting life for older people really the way it's being handled at the moment, all the storylines are negative. You know, because the fact that we're talking about um, the quality storylines at the moment. Yeah. Do you think that the intermediaries between ourselves and Sean O'Connor can transmit to Sean O'Connor that actually we're, we're, we're giving him a bit of a big up right now? Yes. That we're not unremittently uh, <laughs> negative. Horrid. Yes. You know, we, we give credit <laughs> where credit's due and we're giving lots of credit at the moment. Yeah. So there you go, Mr Rowe. Uh, Magic at Mungo's as well emailed in. If Kenton is drinking the stock and the suppliers don't get paid, I can see that things spiralling out of control even faster. This will lead to Jolene going to David out of desperation as she is just at the end of her tether and the prospect of losing her home and potentially her marriage forces her hand. Titchinob, holy cow, even my mother, who is one of the most loyal listeners I know, is making throwing up noises at the radio and she might not be making the same rude gestures I am, but the man needs taking out. Yes, I don't think you'll have any arguments from anyone here. So that's caller's done, caller inner is done, and yep. emailer inner is done. Yeah. Uh, so now, uh, camp coffee break. Uh, you'll have some uh, alcoholic liquid refreshment. We'll come back the other side of this. 
Hello, I'm Sarah Smith, proud sponsor of Dumpty Dum. If you want to polish up your Albion, give your optics a wipe or even mop up after your ferrets, Sarah Smith cloths are eco-friendly, reusable and washable. And, you know, a bit posh. Sarah Smith, available from Sainsbury's for the posher washer. Proud sponsors of Dumpty Dum. Fancy getting your mouth round something warm? Something comforting you can really get a firm grip on? Why not buy a Dumpty Dum mug from the shop at dumptydum.com? Goes down lovely. G'day everyone. It's been a really interesting week on Facebook for Archers fans. There's been a lot of debate about some of the plot lines and a lot of people really getting their knickers in a twist uh, about some of the uh, activities. So one of the things that I did notice was that the um, uh, Rob Titchener Appreciation Group has closed down. Now to be fair to the people that started that up, that was set up as a sort of pseudo support group for Rob just to offer a different version of his character. It was never set up because they intentionally believed that he was uh, fabulous uh, but I think they just uh, decided it wasn't worth going ahead anymore after this week's events um, and I noticed that there is now a Jill Archer Stormtroopers group which is rather fun so the whole situation around Ruth and David and what's happening with Jill has uh, ignited some lively debate a lot of people are opining that uh, it doesn't make any sense that these decisions would be made without Jill um, and also without any discussion with um, Heather or Heather Pet as she's known. So uh, that was the uh, week around the Archers pages. I did post up um, a very clever letter from Rob onto our Dumpty Dum Facebook page. So if you would like to see something that's very clever, if you read it one way, it looks like a really good reference. If you read it another way, it's quite damning. So that was very clever. And I posted that up there earlier in the week. And we, I also wanted to just uh, share with you something from Archer's Appreciation from Ginny Graham who said, this is a media studies question. Compare and contrast the interiors of A, the TARDIS, and B, Brookfield Farm. You should provide diagrammatic evidence, both lateral and vertical, and label each section carefully with its dimensions, present use, and where appropriate, inhabitant. I found that really funny because obviously you probably know by now that I'm a Doctor Who fan too, and I thought, it is a bit like that, isn't it? It does need to be bigger on the inside. On our page, we also asked uh, you to make some comments about Rob. Uh, I did that uh, straight after Rob resigned, I think. I posted that up. And um, I loved Bernie J. Guy's response. He says, poor Rob, a decent cricketer, single-handedly reducing the number of single mothers and immigrant workers in the village, showing unwashed sabs what's what, sexually harassed by his boss and his bloody woman turn up unannounced at work, bonkers eggs, don't know how he stays as calm as he does, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> I did love that. Thank you very much. And I hope you were once a member of the uh, Rob Titchener Appreciation Group. <laughs> um, Witherspoon says, you know, I didn't think Charlie came off as Mother Teresa either in that conversation. I must admit, I personally am a little confused. Why does Charlie care whether Rob tells anyone about the kids? Because he's actually got the least to lose there. I would have thought that only Adam really has anything to lose. And 
I'm sure he it was just a kiss for goodness sakes and, which is not great but I think you can work through that um, Cara Littlewood Poirier would like to congratulate Rob on getting a joint bank account with Helen and she's not the only one there um, we also asked if anybody had changed their mind about Rob um, did you like him now and you don't or vice versa um, Ash Wolf Robinson said I was met on him initially but I do not have the same visceral do not want feeling against anyone else the script writers are doing an amazing job but he's seriously creepy and he's going to snap sooner or later the only question is whether he's going to get physical or not uh, most people are saying um, yes I've always disliked him Kate Swift says I've changed my mind about Rob initially I thought he's a bit smug and creepy now I know he's creepy and a complete fanaticist I did not have sex with that woman. The only person who believed that was Clinton. Even Helen had a nickel of doubt. We asked whether which relationship would you prefer to be trapped in Jolene and Kenton's or Helen and Rob's. And it was really interesting. Nobody felt that they wanted to make a comment on that. I think that one's just too hard. And the final... <laughs> Oh gosh, the final one I wanted to bring your attention to was Roy Phil said he was off to the cinema to watch Trainwreck and what were other people doing and uh, you know people were doing interesting things but T Leary I laughed and laughed when I saw what you posted I'm not going to read it out because Jembe who's only 11 will probably be listening Thank you Millie Bell uh, Lucy Yep Can you summon up the energy, the vim and the verb to give us your top five <laughs> hashtag the archers tweet of the week salvatore rosa uh rob titchener to be the new voice of the automated checkout <laughs> mm -hmm. in the shop um hugsy just put not going for the popular vote then hazel uh cuts rich i don't know where this came from it was a huge non sequitur but it made me laugh he said it's Neil's lawn I worry about. When will it get cut? <laughs> We're all worrying about Neil's lawn. Um, the Gelman. Still don't think it's right throwing out St. Jill to accommodate the phantom cliché peddler of old Prudder Town. And tweet of the week was Money and Media, who said, I know they're at the cricket, but I hope Susan launched that tirade at Pat while wearing her tabard. <laughs> <laughs> a furious Susan in her tabard. Mm, she did kind of lose it, didn't she? But it was it was kind of slightly. Uh, I think Susan's just feeling really picked on at the minute, isn't she? Mm. she it was just kind of like one more one more thing that she felt had uh, you know someone had double crossed her. Just one more thing where she felt she'd been picked on, and uh, she just went completely nuts. <laughs> Poor Pat. She went postal. She did. She really did. It's quite appropriate, uh, really. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I made a joke and I didn't even realise about it. You're that good. Right, in it. End of the show time. Don't forget, you can go on to dumdydum.com where you can buy our merch. And this week, we will go live with zazzle.com so you can purchase those tea towel soaks also please log on to dumdydum.com we can read chris lois is uh, omnibus reflections which are very 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 good uh, each week mr lois puts pen to paper to look at the last week in borsetshire this week it's a bullet to hazel's left temple susan carter borsetshire rogue assassin and ambridge extra don't forget if you can be so inclined you can 
throw some of your hard-earned money uh, via patreon.com uh, and you can support each show that we do uh, for the sum total of we recommend about two dollars a show or you can donate to the show by going to our site and hitting the donate button order of john archer news now i put out a plea last week well i just admitted that i just kind of messed up right royally and i asked you if you've been awarded the gong of uh, john hood to please email in uh, to remind us what the hell we'd said because you know none of this is planned it's all just ramblings what we say <laughs> when we're in front of the podcasting mic we received a sum total of one email from emma church confirming that the late mr church was a john and was awarded the posthumous title john the eighth oh crumbs you should have said that that's all right i don't mind you do the next bit then if you are a john in the nicest possible sense of the word, we beg you to email in and claim your John Hood for the new page on the website. We need Johns 4 to 7 to confirm who the heck they are and a photo would be nice if you have one. Remember to get in contact with us on the show. You can send us a voicemail message via SpeakPipe or you can call us on 0203031305 to leave us a phony type message um, if you can't work the website. And... Our last call to action is you can find us on the Twitters where we are at Dumpty Dum, or you can tweet me where I'm at Royfield. Me at Lucy V. Freeman or Sarah Smith at Sarah underscore Smith. And just before we go, I'd just like to say our Facebook page has been an absolute joy recently. Um, loads of people on there, loads of people signing up each week. Uh, we'll have we'll do something special when we get to our thousandth uh, follower on our facebook page don't know what that'll be but we'll do something maybe lucy will podcast naked or something or another what do you um, mean i always do <laughs> yeah but what i mean is we'll have the webcam there. oh i see mm-hmm. um are you really in the buff no mm, okay <laughs> you were brave ah yes well, it's one of those things where you think, no, I won't say it. I won't say it. I won't say it. I'm going to say it, aren't I? No, don't. Oh, I will. And then I did. But it was preying on my mind just because it was all so weird that we were recording today. Mm. And and then there was that thing that Kenton said. And then Witherspoon's call as well. It all seemed to sort of concatenation of circumstance it was. Mm. So, yes. But anyway. Well, there's going to be... Um, I've sent you a little message or two. Have you? Yeah, look on your phone. Oh, oh, dude, you'll make me cry again. Oh, shut up. I think you're awesome. don't like you much, but I do think you're awesome. <laughs> don't say that. That's horrible. No, go oh, shut up. You know, I was, I was, what, what was I on the other day? I was on some, <laughs> I was on some bit of social media and I was reading, or reading something or another. I was reading an article. That was it. Some Guardian article. And somebody was talking about, how you know everybody does online dating now there's absolutely zero stigma it just everyone just like does it and how now companies are trying to uh use the same um methodology so you can find friends so there's um some some app called friend hunt now right and there's some other one which i forget which didn't sound as spooky as friend hunt <laughs> but, uh anyway um, and the, there was a couple of comments of people saying, but that's what Twitter's for. Yeah. That actually, 
and quite a few people. One of them was somebody who we followed. That's the reason how I came to this. Ah, oh, okay. Prince, Princess VP or oh, something. Oh, yeah. Prin- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She, she was the one who'd kind of noticed this article and she said, but that's what Twitter's for. And she said, some of the most important people in my life I've met on Twitter. And that means you. Aww. And I was, I really concurred. And I went, oh, bloody hell. 